You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. We get to talk with authors quite frequently on The Coffee Hour, which is a lot of fun. get to introduce some new books to all of you. And this one is uh, a bit of a, I think it's a bit of a sequel to one that we got to talk about. Uh, I don't actually remember when. It was several months ago. I think it was pre-coronavirus, so it was a long time ago. (laughs) Joining us today is the Reverend Dr. Alfonso Espinosa, Senior Pastor of St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Irvine, California, and author of Faith That Sees Through the Culture and the new book that just came out from CPH, Faith That Engages the Culture. Thank you so much, Pastor Espinosa, for joining us on the Coffee Hour today. Sarah and Andy, thank you so much for having me. Always great to be here. So we got to chat a while ago about uh, your book, Faith That Engages the Culture. How is this new book, Faith That Sees Through the Culture, an extension of, of what we've already been able to read from you? So so the first book, uh, Faith That Sees Through the Culture, um, is a book that is designed to impart confidence to the Christian in living and walking in their daily lives and uh, being confident about their Christian identity, being able to recognize what's going on according to the Holy Scriptures, both visibly and invisibly. And there we talk about the dualities to, again, equip Christians for confidence in their walk, in their daily vocations. The second book, Faith That Engages the Culture, which is a current book, This book now takes the next step. Okay, you're confident in your own faith, in your own walk, your own identity, but now you come across someone who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we engage them for the sake of the gospel? And of course, uh, you know, there are all kinds of things out there about witnessing and evangelism and sharing the faith, but I've I've been carrying a burden with me for many years that oftentimes these are just you know, programmatic and they intimidate people. And we got to memorize this and that and do this and that and sell this and that. And at the end of the day, a lot of Christians are just scared to death about trying to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in this book, I try to do something about that. What did you learn as you were preparing, as you were researching <laughs> to write this book uh, as faith uh, engages the culture? Well, I learned a lot, you know, and I had to back up and say, you know, what, what does God's word say about this? So in faith that engages the culture, I, I use this uh, teaching tool, uh, kind of a matrix for um, organizing this according to scripture. And it's called, you'll never guess, the engagement triangle. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the engagement triangle is this equilateral triangle that is throughout the book. And you start at the very top of this uh, triangle and you begin with the word perspective You go down to the right of the triangle, bottom right-hand corner is then the second P to uh, people. Then you go across the the base to the left-hand corner, and then you have place. So people, then, I'm sorry, I I don't even know what I wrote. Perspective, (laughs) people, place. Perspective, people, place. That's the engagement triangle, and it uh, presents kind of a, a biblical model for understanding how God presents engaging for the sake of sharing the gospel. So what I learned was really getting into what do scriptures, how do the scriptures lead us in this process of relational and loving face-to-face contact with people, being the eyes and the voice and the face of Jesus to these precious people in the world for whom he died and rose. And just in a nutshell, now that I've shared with you about the engagement triangle of perspective, people in place, the perspective is summarized in first Peter 3.15, to set apart Christ in your heart as holy, 
Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is within you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So we talk about that perspective. Then we go to people and we elaborate upon 1 Corinthians 9.22. Paul said, I become all things to all men that I may save some by all possible means. Then we go over to place. We take the example of St. Paul at the Areopagus in Acts 17, how he really considered the unique subculture of the Athenians and used that to build bridges to reach the Greeks. Uh, so there's a lot of fun and just kind of, again, going to scripture and allowing this matrix of scripture to guide us. How do we take those uh, those three things, perspective, people in place, and use them to witness effectively in our own contexts? So um, the great thing about the perspectives, the first step of First Peter, uh, First Peter three fifteen. Um, I, I think very often, Sarah, what happens is people just try to imagine being in this face to face contact, and and it's easy to get scared, again intimidated. But the great thing about this first step in the perspective is that it begins not in front of the person at all, but between the Christian and God. As we are exercising our devotional life, our walk with God, uh, setting, having Christ as holy in us and in our lives, really focusing that on that as the first step. And so with that, every Christian can start and not be afraid or intimidated because they realize as we foster that relationship in Christ Jesus through word and sacrament, the Holy Spirit is putting us in a position then to take the next step. So the next step, uh, we are then in a position face-to-face. And uh, at that point, we are um, able to relate to the culture at the time that Peter wrote in the first century here in the United States of America as a culture that's full of conflict, full of problems. Christians are, Christians are under pressure and stressors, uh, just like everybody else in our culture, right? But the way it's presented is Christian. Take a deep breath. You're in Christ. Be calm. Know the peace of God. Show the world what makes you different. Don't worry. Don't fret. When people see that confidence, it puts you in a position to have a platform to then take the next step. And that next step, in terms of the how, is with gentleness and respect. And there, guys, when we talk about gentleness uh, from the, uh, the meaning of the original language, it's really being just that. It's treating people with loving gentleness And what we do is we step away from the lines of demarcations that are put forth everywhere that perpetuate division in our culture. It's about us against them. And and we have a tendency in our culture, as you guys well know, to demonize the opposition. Well, gentleness doesn't do that. Gentleness loves the person. And the respect comes in knowing that Jesus is with us. Okay, now go to people. There, this is a priority. We get into the shoes of people. This is a big one, Sarah and Andy. Huge. What we're doing there is we are striving to get into the shoes of another person and to identify, and this is always something we're able to do, identify what do we have in common with this person in front of us. And you know what? We always have something in common. And when we find that thing, we want to capitalize on that thing. We want to use that thing to really get to know the person and demonstrate that this is not about exterior motives. And a big point we put forth here is just as Christians are called to love the word and study the word and mind the word, We need to take that over to relationships, to love people, to know people, to mind what this person is all about. And when we do that, then we're in a position to really relate. Then we go over to, again, place. And we consider the visible and invisible. We know there's a spiritual dynamic always with principalities and powers. But we we want to understand the culture because in understanding the culture, then we're able to speak the same language. Whatever culture that person is in, they're familiar with the dialogue and the language 
then we become familiar. Now we're, we're ready to effectively communicate. All right. So now that we have this knowledge, what do we do with it? Can you give us an example of what that might look like once we have that knowledge? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so here um, we spend a lot of time um, really emphasizing some key principles of what it looks like. So let's, let's emulate and imitate the master, our brother, our savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in John chapter four, when Jesus is talking to uh, the Samaritan woman, um, you can identify three distinct stages of the dialogue. The first stage is to talk about something they have in common. What do they have in common? They have water in common. <laughs> they're sitting around a well. Okay, so they're, they're both interested in water. And Jesus makes the most of that common ground connection with a woman to talk about water, ordinary water. And then he shifts gears to living water. She's very interested in that as well, right? So there you have an example of finding what you have in common. If you're talking to a person who might be homosexual, they might be, uh, they might be experiencing gender dysphoria, what do we have in common? Very often what we have in common, we identify that all people want to be loved and they want to love. So what do we do? We, we emphasize what we have in common and have a genuine loving conversation about that. Step two, what did Jesus do? What does it look like? What Jesus did was he certainly, when it was appropriate, he would identify the sin that blocked the person's relationship with God. Now, this is a big section in the book. We talk about the proper distinction of law and gospel, as we must. However, what Jesus taught us is that after identifying the basic outward sin, he didn't harp on it. He didn't obsess with it. He knew she had a Sixth Commandment issue uh, with the husbands and, and the fornication, but he didn't make a big deal about it. And he moved on to the third point. The third point is the core need is to know the living God, who is a God of grace and love and mercy. So it looks like Jesus. It looks like what he does. What do you hope people will be able to take away from this book, uh, learning all of these things about, about finding their context in witnessing to others? That they don't have to be afraid of witnessing. Uh, to know that it's not, it's not about me memorizing a lot of stuff. Uh, it's not even me about memorizing scripture, though obviously it's a good thing to memorize scripture. But I don't have to have this set presentation, the set script. Rather, what I'm doing is I'm honoring Jesus, I'm loving Jesus, and I'm delving into relationships. And I'm going to trust God to just take me where he will in building this relationship. And when he does, I'm going to simply, I'm simply going to invest in that person and find a way to connect where the person's at with what the scriptures say. And as I do that, and I look for the common ground that I have with them, then I can get excited about engagement because it's not, a, again, it's not about an agenda. It's about love. And this is what Jesus did. You, uh, you were able to collaborate with some people for this book. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, uh, recognizing that we have this engagement uh, need, uh, there are certain circumstances that make it especially challenging. There are issues that surround us in the culture. We looked at science. Uh, we looked at politics. We looked at dehumanization and issues that are within the culture. We looked at sexuality. We, we looked at addiction and depression. So we went out to experts in the field in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and I got help. And these people came and I interviewed them and they did some wonderful things for me and adding insight and expertise and insights about how to build common ground. I mentioned sexuality already. I worked with Brian Barlow, who specializes in, in outreach to people with gender confusion and dysphoria. And Brian tells me as a pastor, I, I hardly ever start with, with the moral problem. 
what I do is I befriend, I, I gain trust. And then I ask them, I ask people, how can I pray for you? And we start praying. The next thing you know, you're friends. And then you're in a position to take the next step to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some great people contributed, including uh, Rod Soper, who's uh, one of the leading scientists at Concordia University, Irvine, and um, the president of Concordia University, Chicago, uh, Dr. Russell Don on politics. Just a lot of great people who helped out. Where can we find this book? CPH.org. It's also being sold at Amazon and Cokesbury already, uh, but you can find it with our own Concordia Publishing House. And you can get it uh, digitized and put it on your uh, Kindle, or you can get um, the real thing. And if you ever bump into me with a book, I'd be happy to sign it. <laughs> and, and Sarah, by the way, thank you for being in the book, because uh, the introduction includes <laughs> something that you said in answering a survey question. And your answer was so good, I put it in there. And I didn't just put it in there so I could get on the coffee hour. I put it in there because it was good. <laughs> My pleasure for that. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Pastor uh, Alfonso Espinosa, Senior Pastor at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Irvine, California, and author of Faith That Engages the Culture, available now from cph.org. Thank you so much for being our guest on The Coffee Hour. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Andy. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.